This is a crowd podcast. Hello, I'm Geraint Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And you've just entered the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Brought to you by Zwift, the indoor cycling app that makes training fun. Because fun is fast. Kreiso. That's a bit of Welsh for you. Tom, we're back. Well, back for one episode anyway. Interrupting the hot British summer to check back in and say hello. How you been? Yeah, it's nice to see you, G. Um, it's been a while. We've had a few text messages since our last episode, planning out various hijinks. You are now, I believe, in Tenerife, uh, in the usual hotel at the top of Mount Tady. So you know what my first question is going to be, don't you? How's training? How's it up there? No. Have you been up the cable car? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> No, I haven't yet. No, <laughs> what? I was. I was thinking though, my time up here is starting to, you know, run out. Who knows how many more seasons yeah. I'm going to do? How many more times I'm going to come up here? So, I'm going to have to do it at some point. It was super windy though the first week or so we were here, so it was shut anyway. But yeah, it's nice and clear as well, so I should get out. I should get up at some point because we'll be able to see quite a lot. But who knows? Do you think, because it's been so many years that you haven't been, and so many years we've talked about it, I'm slightly worried it might be underwhelming when you actually do it? <laughs> it probably. I've been building up since 2011, so that's a lot of hype, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, it is just a cable car up a slightly higher up a, up a mountain that you're already pretty much at the top of. <laughs> yeah, but think about those extra views. It's about an extra thousand metres high, so... yeah. Who knows? That's the the thing, isn't it, Tom? I don't know what it's going to be like. It could be incredible. (laughs) You get up that cable car, and in the meantime, how has uh, training training and racing been? Obviously, we've seen you racing. This is part of the training block for the tour, I'm guessing. Yeah, so training's been good. Slow starts of the year, but each race felt better. And yeah, this is the last big block, training block, before we go to Tour de Suisse, and then... Hopefully, all being well, the tour closely followed by the Commonwealth Games straight after. So um, that's the plan. But yeah, it's uh, train's going well. As I said, the weather's been really nice. We haven't had any clouds, let alone any rain. Um, nice and warm, getting in the hours. Good group up here. We've got um, Creato brought his Xbox, so we've got a good FIFA tournament on the go. Okay, leaderboard, please. So we all played each other. So we had the table at the end. So Yatesy was top. I was one point behind in second. Ghana was propping us all up with one draw and six losses. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so that worked out our seedings then. So then obviously first V8, second against seventh, you know, etc. And I got to the semi-final against Dylan, who was PSG. I was Liverpool. And um, yeah... My problem is I get quite frustrated, Tom. Like, like it's like going back 20 years playing my brother on FIFA when I get super annoyed and like just kick stuff and almost throw the controller across <laughs> the room, you know? Um, yeah, I, I go back to those those days really. And yeah, I was 2-1 down after the first leg, which was okay because there's no away goals these days, is there? So I was still in it. But then... I went 3-1 down in the, in the second leg and I lost the plot and I, I ended up losing 5-1. So, no, not good. But we started again, though. We got a new teams. So, um, I'm Arsenal now. 
he actually he's he's Spurs. So yeah, you're shaking your head, Tom. Arsenal a bit, a bit like me and FIFA actually, a bit up and down. So we'll see how that goes. What's your management style in FIFA? Which current Premier League manager would you compare yourself to? Um, One who's been pep. sacked. I'm a pep. I'm a big, big thinker. You know, I'm, I'm, I overanalyze sometimes, though. I'm my own worst enemy, Tom. And uh, but I'm, I'm big attack. I'm always scoring goals. But my problem is I can't defend at all. So generally, my games end up with you know three, three, four two you know those type of big score lines you know so whereas someone like who Quiato he's very sort of calculated maybe boring does he park the bus yeah he sort of yeah he's just a bit he's he's not a fan favourite let's be honest no Sounds like you're managing the entertainers, G, which I like. Um, talking of entertaining, come the tour, um, are you able to give us an insight into exactly what your role will be? And will part of that role enable you to have a little joust on your own at any stage? A little bit of, little bid for stage glory or beyond? Yeah, there's definitely the chance. Um, it, it all depends how the legs are at the end of the day. You've got to have good legs to do anything, haven't you? So... The main focus is just getting there in the best shape I can. Um, you know, we got I'm doing tour Swiss, which will be good. Hit out before, um, so big block until then. See how I go there. Then after that, you kind of know. Then and you kind of can really have a more clear sort of idea of what my role will be. But no matter what, I want, I want to be there in the high mountains, whether that's leading, attacking, or um, you know, helping. So I'm just looking forward to it, though, to be honest, Tom, because I'm not going to have many left, really, am I? Let's be honest. Two, three, four or one. Who knows? It could be anything <laughs> all the above. So just just enjoy it. we got Netflix as well. They've rocked up now because. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Is that they've come here just so us we can get to know them. They can win hearts and minds. So we're all comfortable with them. So you're going to be the new the new Movistar, are you? Well, there's eight teams, so it's like the Drive to Survive thing, the Formula One. Oh yeah. Okay. So we're one of eight. So I just got a plan to just be really controversial and start, you know, ripping like Movistar or UAE and really giving them some shit just to get more airtime, basically. Otherwise, let's be honest, you might just end up on the cutting room floor. You'll sit the whole Thomas, the extended Thomas family down um, to watch the first episode, saying that they filmed you loads. And then the end credits will roll, and the only thing we've seen of you is you walking off a bus. Yeah, <laughs> uh, especially because I always drop in the GTCC podcast every time I speak to nice. them as well. Yeah. In fact, here's an idea, G. I think our members can get in touch in all the usual social places and either come up with something, a topic they would like you to get on the show, or maybe a song lyric, the old favourite, something that you have to smuggle on to the Tour de France version of Drive to Survive. Your prize is nothing material, it's just pride that you have fulfilled the challenge. Fancy it? <laughs> yeah, why not? Definitely. That'll be a, that's a big challenge though, Tom, because... We're chatting to the guy today. There's eight episodes, obviously, but I think episode two is his main one. So, yeah, they're going to be filming over a hundred odd hours of footage. They're filming every stage of the tour on the bus. You know, they're going to have like 
oh, hours and hours and hours of footage. So if I do, if I do succeed, I think I need a prize, not just pride. I'll be very proud, but I want a prize as well, Tom. Right, I'm going to uh, put that to our club secretary Louise and see if she can uh, rustle something up like a raffle prize. Um, the the way these documentaries tend to work is that they tend to establish a character for someone quite early on and then only include stuff that backs up that portrayal of the character. <laughs> That's the way it seems to be on the Movistar one where people who had maybe a slightly clownish element to their persona were massively clowns by the end and people who <laughs> spent their time shouting were just shouting all the time by the final episode. Yeah, what am I going to be then? What, how are they going to portray me, Tom? I don't know. It depends how you behave in the first one. I just think you need to find a niche for yourself and then stick to that niche. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the other thing which I'm not necessarily worried about, neither of the riders, but the you know the boss, Dave, and maybe He's some other... He's got to be worried, Dave, guys. surely. Yeah, because they own all the rights as well. So Ineos have no... Well, they can't dictate what is shown and how it's shown, you know? Really? So that's going to that's gonna be interesting. I think you can play that to your advantage, right? Anytime the cameras are on the bus, you can either wind Dave up knowing he can't respond or you can ask him um, for some ridiculous favours. And again, he has to just sort of come across as the nice man um, and let you have them. <laughs> well, it's like Big Brother. So they're going to have cameras on the bus full time. Oh, without any camera operators? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because the guy that's here actually he did the um did you see the spurs one all or nothing yeah i'm three quarters of the way through it yeah so he he did that he was one of the main guys filming that so yeah they uh but that was through a whole season of football this is just three weeks but um it should be i'm looking forward to seeing it even though we haven't even started filming it yet but it won't come out till may next year because there's so much to go through i think but yeah it'll be interesting one Sounds good. Well, before we get a guest on today, G, we do have some very exciting news for our members, and that is that the GTCC merchandise is back on sale. So we've got a limited stock of the jerseys, the socks, the bib shorts, and the water bottles. And, of course, don't worry, because if you don't ride your bike regularly or if you'd like something to wear away from the bike, then we can help you rep the club in our hoodies and the T-shirts. Yes, so just go to gtccstore.com to get yours now. They're selling very quickly, though, so you got to move fast. But, Tom, you've tried all yours on already, so what do you think? Do you know what? I was genuinely really impressed by it. It's really nice, isn't it? <laughs> like, it's really nice stuff. It's so nice that the fear for me is that it's too nice for me to wear on the bike. And what I mean is, is that, because you know what the weather's like in the northwest of England, there's rarely a day where it's not a little bit wet or a little bit soggy or there's a possibility of a rain cloud coming and ruining things. And... On those days, you're always tempted to wear your second favourite kit, aren't you? Because you think, oh, I want to keep the nice stuff nice. So my um, my pledge this summer is that I'm going to wear my GTCC kit and not worry about what happens to it. <laughs> yeah, I normally don't have that problem because, you know, you just get the kit from the team, don't you? But I, I know what you mean, though. I have that with white socks, even in races. I try not to I wear the grey ones if they're looking a bit grey. You know, the, the white socks have been washed a few too many times. mm no, yeah, I get that. I'm looking forward. Mine's arrived. I've just been away, so I'm looking forward to getting home and getting it all on. Nice. Well, thank you to everyone who has sent in pictures of them wearing their GTCC kit in various locations around the world. You can take a look at these pics on our Instagram, which is, as always, at GT Cycling Club and also our Facebook group. Make sure you go and join the Facebook group. There's over 8,000 members for you to chat cycling with. Right, Tom. So who's our guest today? 
case. So regular listeners of the GTCC will remember that earlier this year, we did an episode with Martin Johnson, which was all about your personality, G. It was good fun. And the work that this Martin Johnson had done with the INEOS team. Now, there was a bit of confusion at the time, because although this was a real Martin Johnson, he wasn't the real Martin Johnson, as in the rugby player, the England captain, the one who ruined rugby for Welsh people in 2003 by lifting the World Cup. So we did promise you then that we would get that Martin Johnson on at some stage. And I'm very pleased to say we've delivered. Do you want more crowd podcasts? Let me tell you about the Crowd Stories channel. It's where you can find all of Crowd's history and documentary-style podcasts. In one place. And for just £1 a week, they're ad-free. Addictive documentaries like American Vigilante. I'm a monster hunter. It's what I do. And Murder in House 2. I know you know what happened. You want to keep it to yourself? You suit yourself. You're going down. Unbelievable investigations into government cover-ups. Your daily reality is the fact that at any moment when the guard comes along, he might just pull out his gun and shoot you in the back of the head. And immerse yourself in the stories of death of a rock star. Just search for Crowd Stories on Apple Podcasts. And hit the subscribe button. See you there. Sponsor Claxon. The GTCC are delighted to be sponsored by Momentus, a leading human performance company that works with pro and elite sporting teams. And here's Geraint to tell you about their flagship product, PR Lotion, and a cheeky discount for our members. Yeah, so PR Lotion is a cream that you just basically massage on your muscles that are working. So the other day, for instance, I had a big time trial session. So an hour before, just was there in my kitchen, massaging cream all over my legs and... uh but it works very well. And the data also actually shows that you'll get 53% less muscle soreness and be able to do 25% more training intervals. So win-win. So go on, go and slap it all over those legs before your next big ride or your next workout or even your next GTCC ride. Just go to livemomentous.com and use the discount code GTCC2021 at the checkout for 25% off Momentus's PR Lotion. Happy training. I normally do the intros and usually bodge them big time. So thankfully, I don't think I have to do much introducing now. But um, to avoid any doubt, this is Rugby World Cup winning captain, the OG, the original Martin Johnson. Welcome to the GTCC. Hi, guys. You all right? <laughs> Very good. Thanks. Thanks for coming. And um yeah, to be honest, I think you're definitely a lot better than the other Martin that we had on. He, he won't mind me saying that. I'm sure he might, he might have an issue with it. <laughs> well, he says he goes and does a lot of um, talks and stuff with his motivational jazz. And um, yeah, a lot of people are disappointed when he rocks up, not 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 you when they've seen the name on the sheet. He gets the crowd in, though. <laughs> <laughs> are you implying he's... But, um, money. Are you implying he's selling himself under... False pretenses. Oh, I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying anything. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's but, very um, good. Did he, did he motivate you guys? He was good, to be fair. Actually, what 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 he does, he's basically saying, identifying what motivates us as athletes, and you can go and listen to the episode. Actually, it's really really insightful. It's uh, I don't know what episode it is, Tom, but uh, what number? It'll be but, on the it'll be on the Fiji. Yeah, easy exactly, to find. Yeah. Just look under Martin Johnson. Really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, anyway, on to cycling. How did I've heard you actually started cycling before you even like while you were still a rugby player? Is that true? Uh, right at the end of my career, I, I you can't really do it in season because you just haven't got the you haven't got the time, you haven't got the energy. You know, when you're playing every week, you're either recovering, training, or playing, aren't you? But my, what happened? I, I used to like it a bit when I was a kid. I had a mate who was into it. You know, his dad was a cyclist, so I knew a little bit about it. Back in the 80s, I knew who Bernardino was. And, but then, obviously, I was doing my rugby thing for the next sort of 20 years. And my mate just turned up one Sunday on his, on his road bike, just popped in for a cup of tea or whatever. And I saw his bike. I thought, oh, because they, they just look cool. And I like bikes. They look road bikes. I think they look cool. So I said, oh, I fancy a bit of that. And he also, he also mountain biked as well. So he said, just get a hybrid and um, just see what you want to do if you want a road bike or mountain bike. So I got a hybrid. That was, yeah, that was right at the end of my career. It's probably about 33, 34. I used to do a little bit on a Sunday occasionally as a, as a bit of a recovery, do 20 miles or whatever. And I thought, no, nah, I definitely want a road bike. So I actually got given one by Specialised after we won the World Cup when everyone was giving you stuff. Um, <laughs> Specialised gave me a lovely bike. And it, it sat there in my, in my garage for another 18 months, mainly, before I retired, before I really got to use it. So I was always going to ride. I did a little bit. And then when I, when I retired, I was, I was out on the bike. Was that like a custom bike then? Because we've had George North on, and he's, he's a mate of mine. And his bike, I've said, it's like a farm gate, not just a <laughs> garden gate. It's a massive, like, keeps the cows out of his bike. Because you're big boys, aren't you? Yeah, but I just, I just ride, um, no, I, just, I ride their 61 centimetre frame. It's the wheels you break. It's the wheels you break. You've broken not, a lot of you. Yeah, when when you don't really know what you're doing, when you first get a bike, you don't <laughs> you don't you don't know anything, do you, about what what's good, what's strong, what's whatever. So you break the spokes, and then you, you just you, you just get experience, and people tell you what what's good. And I mean, they're incredibly strong, aren't they? You think the the forces going through that bike repeatedly, repeatedly for for hours and hours, day after day, they they. They're incredibly um, robust, aren't they, and tough. So you've got, we've worked this one out, Martin, you have got something in common with Geraint in that you have both ridden Flanders and Roubaix, um, and this is where I put the asterisks up on the screen. <laughs> um, yours was in the sportif rather than the, the race itself, but did you enjoy those? Yeah, I did. It it gives you an idea. The Roubaix sportif is only about 108, isn't it? It's about 108 miles, so they take you out about, six, eight miles from the first set of cobbles and you just ride, you ride in. So it's pretty accurate from then on. It's a bit of a difference at the end, I think. You do all the cobble sections, I think, in the right order. Did you do Arenberg Forest? Yeah, Arenberg <sighs> Trench, yeah. Yeah, that's horrible, isn't it? What do you think of that? That's pretty brutal, yeah. Yeah, everyone was sort of saying, oh, you'll be great on the cobbles, you're big and everything. Nah. <laughs> they absolutely... <laughs> They absolutely batter you. You don't realise, because you, before you do it, everyone, t you watch all the videos and people are saying to do all the things with your bike and double tape your bars and all the things, get some wider mm. tyres on. Whatever you do, you just get battered, don't you? It's brutal. When you see it on TV, you obviously get a, it just looks, everyone looks so smooth because obviously good riders are pros. When you watch the sportive people do it, and God <laughs> knows what I look like doing it, but it, it, it's not pretty. <laughs> It's just like, it's, it's, it's a brutal event. It's a brutal event. I fell off, I fell off pathetically at the, on the Arenberg Trench. I, I got, I was almost slowing down. I, I 
got stuck and then you get eventually slowed down. I just toppled off the bike. It was it was a low speed, pathetic crash. But it's um I enjoyed the event. It's a great the sportif's great. I mean you finish at the velodrome, the whole lot, but it's uh it, it's tough. I mean no, there's no real hills in Roubaix, is it? It's pretty flat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well I've said in the past before, it's like you know, watching snooker or darts, like it all looks so easy, and then you go and try it yourself and it's like holy moly, it's it's completely different. But I mean Watching it this year or last year in that in that in that rain, the wet one, yeah. I mean, we were joking before. I did it a couple of times. Last time we did it, we were joking, saying, "I oh, wish you'd do a wet one, you know, do a real one." Um, huh. When we were doing it, because it, obviously on the sportif, you set off very early in the morning. You're out there, you know, seven thirty. So it's still, it's still more, it's still wet. It's damp. Arenberg's a bit slippery, but Christ, no. I, I was saying to my mate, if we'd gone to do the sportif in that weather, would you have done it? Would you have tried to do it? And he was giving it the yeah, yeah. I'd have done it. I'm, I'm not sure if I'd have, if I'd have got. I'd have just... When is the sport eve? Is it like the couple of days before the actual race? It's a Saturday. Oh, okay, the day before. Yeah, the day before. Yeah, so you, great. It's a good weekend. You go out Friday, register, ride Saturday. Roubaix's got most of them have a number of. You can ride a number of distances. You can ride a shorter distance mm. if you want. It's great. You finish at the velodrome. They have the shower. They even have the showers open. You can go in the showers. Ah, oh, the famous ones yeah. under the velodrome. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's the little cubicles. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a, it's a good event. Flat Flanders. We did Flanders first. We did the full distance at Flanders the first one, which is which is like one fifty hundred and fifty miles, two hundred and forty k. That's just you, you appreciate a little bit what what the guys are going through when they're doing it because you watch you watch on TV going go on you know chase him, go up that hill. Yeah. There's absolutely you know after that distance, there's absolutely nothing left in your legs. Is a it's just horrendous. Yeah, and like like you say, like some of those climbs as well, just to get up them, let alone after you know two hundred odd k, it's they're brutal. Yeah, I'm not I've not got up the Koppenberg yet. It's I can't get any I can't get any grip. When you do the sportive, often it's too busy, it's too busy, mm. and you get you get blocked by someone or whatever, and and you end up all coming off. But uh, I I tried to do it by myself on a Wednesday morning with my mate. <laughs> Still, it was I wasn't even getting any. I should be getting traction. I was sat on the back wheel and I was still slipping trying to get up there. What's the tips here, G? Oh, <laughs> a bit of speed, I guess, at the bottom always helps. But it's it's your line it actually is a, is a big thing because even though the, the cobbles in Flanders are just a lot shallower, a lot more, a lot nicer, basically smoother than, than Roubaix. They're civilised, aren't they? Yeah, you can still take a lot of speed off if you hit one a bit wrong or whatever, but... I remember we were doing a recon of Flanders, actually, like the Thursday before the race. And I think it was Edvald, who was like, you know, one of the favourites at the time. And something happened to him and he actually stopped. And then I had to unclip and then, but he got going again and I couldn't like just get going. So I just thought, oh, I'll just walk up this bit. Sure enough, photographer at the top, like <laughs> gets all these pictures of me walking up Koppenberg and then like they're online and a couple of hours later and all the boys are taking the piss and Eddie's just laughing. I was like, mate, you proper stitched me up there. Yeah, it's, it's once you lose your momentum on those things, it's it's only going one way, really. Yeah, I love I love the classics. I absolutely love them. They're just brutal, tough sport. But you talk about brutal and tough. Surely, is is nothing more brutal and tough than actually playing rugby, though. Second row. It's weird, isn't it? Because that's that's what you train for. So yeah. actually, I'd rather do that than. I mean, we've <laughs> done the. You know, you've been out in the Alps in the in the heat as well. I mean, I can't do the heat. I'd rather do the cold. 
going up those mountains in the heat. I mean, that, that's just that's just horrendous. You go, you go and do the attack, and you you tell people what it's like, what the sights are like on the side of the road. People just lying down. <laughs> they could be dead. No one cares. <laughs> no, everyone's just trying to look after themselves. Get up the hill. Get up the mountain. It's so hot. You can't you can't get enough water in your body. Uh, yeah. Or your body can't absorb it, can it? Your body can't absorb the water quick enough when you to to replace the sweat. And there's people just cramping, jumping into rivers, putting their heads in the well, whatever. To it's just it's just berserk. Oh, I can imagine. But that's what you that's what we train for all our lives. That like you train to ride your bike, mm. so that you you know you you do it. It, it, it. I mean, you were completely. I mean, we when we were playing when we were training to play rugby, we were trying to put mass on. You know, you're trying to put. When you're young, you're always trying to get yourself up to, you know, another put another stone of weight on. Where you guys obviously trying to take it off. So, I mean, th- those those guys who are riding the the mountains in the tour. I mean, they're they're half the weight, literally half the weight of of some of the guys playing rugby. They're just completely different. So, how heavy were you when you were like in your peak as a rugby player? How heavy were you at the end of my career? I'd have been I'd have been about nine. The heaviest I probably played at was about nineteen stone two. So 120, 121 kilos, maybe 122 kilos. <laughs> so that's wow. what that's two Egan Bernals, isn't it? Really, almost comfortably. Two, yeah, Sade Pogacis, Yeah, I've I've ridden the tap at probably 115 kilos. Wow. Yeah, that's that's solid work. It's how decrepit, right? You're right, Martin. How decrepit amateur riders get on the tap, isn't it? I remember I remember seeing seeing riders who had run out of water, putting their bidons by. Um, a very small amount of water that was just dribbling down a cliff face. It wasn't a, even a stream. It was just the only source of water <laughs> that was available. I, I've been, when, when you go up a, a mountain with no shade, we went up the Col du Plan once. That's steep at the bottom mm. as well. That's, they're all, they're all, they're all horrible. Up to yeah. Rosine, yeah. There's no shade on there. Very little shade. And like, you pass a tree and they'd be, be throwing a bit of shade up onto the road. This is honest truth. There'd be three people stopped in the shade. And five people queuing up behind them. So when they went, they could go in the shade for a couple of minutes. I'm not kidding. Oh. I'm, not, I'm not kidding. I can remember that though. When I moved out to Italy for the first time, like must have been 2005, I was exactly the same. You know, I was born in Wales. Like, oh, you'd be out training and you'd be riding, like just going across the road into the shade whenever you could. And oh, even the wrong side of the road sometimes thinking, oh, I hope a car doesn't come by. I just need this shade. You know, but it took me ten years to get used to that. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Some lads love the heat. Some of our lads love the heat. Don't like the cold. On the other way, my brother lives down in the in the Cote d'Azur. My brother lives down near Nice. One summer we were, I was over and we we went up the Col d'Az. You know, yeah, yeah. It's famous climb, isn't it? And the time trial climb and all the rest of it. We did that early in the morning. It was really nice. Quite. It's not. It's not. A, not. A, not a uh, brutal climb or anything. But we came back down into Nice and we just got caught in the traffic. And uh, it, I just got absolutely, the heat radiating off the road and the cars and everything, just got absolutely cooked. And he was like, oh, we'll go and do the." It was actually showing me a tour of all the places you'd fall on, fallen off in Paris-Nice. He <laughs> 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 was going, he was going uh, oh, gee, fell off here. And then he oh, fell off there. I was going, mate, just get me home. <laughs> get me home. I don't, I don't uh, care. I just want to. I just need to get out of this heat. It's too much. I, I just, it's baking me. It's baking me. Yeah, even the rocks and stuff, the cliff on the side, you know, that all just, the heat bounces off that as well. And what's the toughest climb you've done then? Because it sounds like you've 
you've been around a bit, you, you know. Well, I, I think you can't, it depends what state you're in, doesn't it, at the bottom. Yeah, it's very true. I, I did Von 2 with my mate. We went over and just did Von 2 because we wanted to go and do it. But, you know, if you get up, have a nice breakfast, ride up Von 2, the weather was quite lovely, a bit of a breeze, not too much. Came back down, it's fine. You know, it was, yeah, it's a tough climb, yeah. it's a long climb. But if we'd done 80 miles and three climbs before, it would it would have absolutely yeah. broken us. It would absolutely have broken us. The one that fills me with horror is a Col de Glandon. Because I, mm. I was I, at the bottom of there, we'd already been at one climb and I got too excited and I wasn't fit enough and I knew it. I hadn't <laughs> trained enough and I knew it. And now I'm about 4K. It's about 21K, is it, Glandon? It's long, isn't it? Oh, it's long, yeah, yeah. And it's steep at the top. And about 4K in, I then start hitting the, the heat the day starts coming in and I can start feeling my legs and I'm thinking you idiot you're, you're now you're now found yeah. out this is you have now found yourself out you're not fit enough you haven't trained enough and you've got to get up this thing and we, we've still got to, I've got that and another mountain to do and it was just oh, brutal. it was just uh, you just had to get up there inch in the end I said to people I was going up inch by inch <laughs> inch by inch by my fingernails but at, at the top of it it was there was there was thousands there must have been 1500 lads people but most of them knackered completely you know butchered by it and that you you still halfway only halfway i'm sure low th- low's got bust off it when you said inch by inch then i just took me back to um this montage that they did for us on the track one this is like years ago now this has just popped into my head when you said that but is it any given Sunday with um who's the actor? There's Al Pacino. Yeah. When he gives that speech about life's just a game of inches. The inches we need. Or whatever he said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at the person next to you. Look into his eyes. You'll see a guy that'll go that inch or go that mile. I can't remember what he says, but oh great. Great that was. But um I've had two bad experiences up the Glandon as well. First one was when I was an amateur, under twenty three, crashed in the TTT the day before. Um, skinned myself, took all the hand, the took all the skin off my palms and my hands because I wasn't wearing gloves. Thinking in the morning, oh, I'm not going to start today. Like I'll just have some fruit at breakfast, you know, and jump in the car and watch the boys or whatever. Anyway, Rod Ellenworth, who's a coach and um, manager, comes down. Oh, so um, yeah, you ready then, G? We're going to patch you up and get going. I was like, oh, well, I didn't expect I to ride, but yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, got it. Really, seen him as a here. Go out, oh just like pure survival I actually enjoyed going up the hill actually because I could ride hold the bars with my fingertips and then on the descent I had to actually hold on the well yeah where I didn't have the skin and that was just brutal breaking and all that jazz but that was the first experience and the second one was was 2015 I think yeah because I was I was fourth on GC with like and this was stage 19 I'm sure and I blew up on that stage on that climb I was just because I'd worked for through me all race and I was just on my knees by that day and yeah I'd be, I'd be working for someone oh. as well when I did it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I haven't had good experiences up there either so yeah there's certain I think Martin as an amateur rider there are, there are certain horrific moments you're on a big climb like that I think one of them is when you're you're flicking through the gears and you think oh there's no more gears I am in my I am in my smallest gear. I've got nowhere else to go. I think the other one is, as you say, if you're doing um, a climb and you then watch um, some elite riders going up it, is recognising stretches of road and seeing riders accelerating um, up corners where you were just turning the pedals like a man <laughs> towing a fridge. Well, when you go up those, those mountains, ultimately, 
for us, you just got to get up. There's there's no acceleration. I will take it easy here. You're just getting up it once once you hit it. And what are you going to do with the 21k? What are you going to do if you get out the get out the saddle for even a kilometre? You've still got 17k <laughs> to go. Haven't you? It's like just forever. It's horrific. I mean, people people try and talk to me sometimes. Oh, just don't look at me. Don't talk to me. I'm in my own little world of pain. Just leave me alone. Don't uh, acknowledge what I just. I'm going to get up this thing, and then we have a laugh at the end. Well, even in the prozo, I remember my first tour, and I saw. Like, obviously, I was in the back group of the Gruppetto every day. And um, I remember seeing the highlights. And I think it was Contador and Andy Schleck. And they were breaking for corners up a hill. And I was like, <laughs> what? I was like, I was the same as you, Martin. I was just like, I was just getting up that bastard thing. I don't know how to say this, but it doesn't sound like you particularly enjoy some of the riding that you've done. But you obviously must do because, like, why do you do it? Is that just the challenge of getting up a mountain or is it a bit... A, the competitiveness still from, well, just being a professional athlete. I, I think no, I agree. People, because when you talk about it, people say if you don't, and you you give them those descriptions of the of the carnage and the and the pain, they go, well, why'd you do it? And I always say, if you if you ask me going up those mountains, are you enjoying it? I'd say no, and I want to throw my bike off the edge of this cliff and my helmet and my <laughs> shoes and everything and just walk back down. But you get to the top and you go, oh, that was good, wasn't it? You know, so yeah. What surprised me was riding the bike is actually what you're capable of. Because the first time you, you know, when you're first riding a bike and you haven't done it, you go and do 20, 30 miles and you think, oh, that's okay, I've done 30 miles, which is, which it is, it's all right, isn't it? But actually, I remember we did a, we did a charity ride somewhere and we had, a, we had a lad with us who was quite a good rider and he said, right, follow me. And we actually did, I think it was about a 50 mile day and we did it maybe one stop, but we did it right a good old pace. And I actually thought at the end of it, oh wow, okay, we could do, you can do, I can do fifty miles, and and you know, get a good pace, you know, do it do it over a good pace. I don't have to take my time or whatever. We can actually ride this quite well. And the first time I did London, which you know, the hundred miler, I was talking to the guy in the bike shop, and he said, oh, well, we didn't stop, we didn't stop for a drink or anything to eat. We just rode it. And I was like, what? You can ride a hundred miles without stopping? And uh, I've never stopped at London. Subsequently, I've never really. Nah, Christ, no. You don't have to. Say, it's just. I mean, London's a flat. The the old course, certainly, was a pretty flat course, wasn't it? It's a pretty quick course. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. You sort of realise you can actually do more than you think. I, I'm terrible. I don't eat enough when I ride. I did London once on a gel and half a ham and cheese sandwich, <laughs> two bottles. <laughs> Sound like my mother-in-law. She's legendary, telling people that when she ran the marathon, she did it on like. I can't remember what it is now, half a fruit pastel and a croissant or something. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, if you, we've, we've, found, we've found a bit of carbo loading the night before. We've, we've all convinced the Chinese is a place to... Uh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I, I did it. I did it at London. We, we, I hadn't eaten and it was getting late and the only place I could find was a Chinese. So I was with a couple of mates and we just loaded up on, because we were starving. And about, it, was only half, it was about half 10, 11 o'clock. And actually... The next day we rode brilliantly. Just fantastic. Oh, I can imagine. I used to do that when I was in school, like every Saturday night before the Sunday club run with the old boys when I was like, oh, I hope I don't get dropped from them, like in the middle of nowhere. They have a big old Chinese, yeah. Half rice, half chips. Uh, but a lot of people laugh, but when we, when we ride now, the boys are all right. 
you know, boys, we've got everything sorted. We organised, yeah, Chinese booked. Yeah, we're ready to go. So uh, it's become a tradition. Um, there's the companionship as well, isn't there, Martin? I think on on those sort of rides, in that if you are riding by yourself, then the same level of pain feels worse. But if you're riding with a group and you're riding with friends, and there might be a bit of competition or there might just be a bit of chat, it's that much easier. Oh, oh, oh absolutely. I mean, I, I ride with guys. A, a, they get me out on days when I might choose the option of not going. You know, if you've, if you've agreed to go at whatever. And then you're, you're entirely right. We're out yesterday. We're out in the wind yesterday with two guys. And it made it. I, I started off, I, I rode in to meet them and I got hit by the head. I was like, Christ almighty, what am I doing? But actually it was fine. You know, we got round. We, we did we did 40 odd miles and it was fine. You're right. You know, you, 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 you chat away and you, you've done 10, 10, 15 miles before you even realise you've done it so yeah I think all that you, you catch up with you catch up with mates sometimes on the bike because you don't as blokes sometimes you don't make a lot of time to you know you don't we don't meet for coffee and but if you if you go oh, mate do you want to go out on the bike yeah yeah and then you catch up you have a chat you have a coffee at the end of it and you've done a couple of hours of exercise as well yeah do you have, do you have a cake as well you must have a cake coffee and a cake what's your go to cake I love a bit of sponge but we tend not to really we tend not to have a bit of it's no we have we have a coffee but uh, still athletes we might have a bacon sandwich no I, I love I love oh hello I love cake don't <laughs> worry about that I'm sweet I've got a sweet tooth I love biscuits and cake but no we tend we tend not to actually I found that if I'm out by myself if I am training for something I'm out by myself there's a post office that does homemade cakes and they do a massive cup of tea and uh, a homemade slice of cake and they just they, they ask you how big a slice you want you know like how big a slice homemade oh, it's unbelievable <laughs> Chairman Tom I hear we've got something special for our members yeah we have indeed Geraint we've only gone and partnered up with the best bike insurance out there Lacquer Insurance and when any of our GTCC members takes out insurance with Lacquer, they will get an exclusive Geraint Thomas Cycling Club sweatshirt. Right, OK then, Tom. So why are Lacquer so good? Well, Lacquer's collective cover is made especially for cyclists, for life on and off the bike. People just like our honorary GTCC president, Mike Carr. Have a listen to this. I signed up with Lacquer uh, a few months ago. My bike was insured on my contents, which was costing me a fortune. So I went with Lacquer, a really great model. And a couple of months later, my wonderful Carbon Canyon was stolen. They broke through my side gate and into my locked bike shed. Took the bike, which was soul-destroying, but I had a police report, police number, and a couple of photos, which I sent straight off to Lacquer. Literally three or four days later, the money was in my bank account, and I was off new bike shopping, so it was a great service. So if you fancy getting insured with Lacquer and fancy a free GTCC sweatshirt in the process, just head over to www.lacquer.co and sign up using the code GTCC. Enjoy. Um, what else is on the bucket list, Master? You've done the Stelvio, have you? Yeah, uh, yeah. 2018, we did the Maratona. We stayed on, some of us stayed on and drove over and did, did the Stelvio. There's so many places to ride. I've never ridden in, in mainland Spain, really. I'd love to go and do some of... The, I mean, it's such a vast country. When you watch the Vuelta, it's just endless, isn't it? I mean, they they seem to find new stuff all the time to 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 go up. And it's a, such a huge country with 
varied landscape. I'd like to go and do some of that as well. I'd like to go and ride um, a bit in Tuscany as well. Yeah, I've been over there, but not 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 with a bike. Um, I mean, you strata Bianchi and all that on the white roads. It's just that that's an amazing place as well. So I was going to say that. Yeah, I definitely recommend doing that. That's a good sportive as well, apparently. And it's it like finish in Siena. Lovely food. Great rides. It's not like crazy. You know, it is steep, some of those climbs, but nothing like Stelvio and that. What about Alpe d'Huez? It's on the attack this year, isn't it, Alpe d'Huez? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd, I'd want to go up that. Oh, it's a legendary climb. Legends. It's like only there. the best win on that climb. Isn't that right, G? Yeah. That's what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> you can wave at G's hairpin. Which which number is your hairpin, G? 13. 13. Quite appropriately. <laughs> <laughs> what what about the Mortarola? Have you done the Mortarola? I'm trying to think of climbs, G, that you love talking about and that you suffered on. When you're talking about the Stalvio, I was like, Mortarola is like steep around the corner, basically. Yeah, so, yeah, but that 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 was when we were going to go back. There's the Mortarola and what else is there? The Gavia Pass, is it? Gavia's mm-hmm. close, yeah. Yeah, they're all sort of accessible from the same place. How steep is the Mortarola? It's steep, and Oh, yeah, it's like 11k, over 10%. Ugh. It's a horrible road, though, isn't it? When it's through the trees. Like grooves across it. The drainage things, yeah. The, yeah, that's the thing, yeah. You're not selling it. Oh. You're not selling it to me. <laughs> but, it's going to itch and scratch at you now, isn't it? If you don't do it, you're going to have that knowledge that you thought about doing the Mortarola and didn't do it. Think about conquering that one. I'd say that's the hardest climb I've raced up. How about the, the other one as well, the f- famous one from the Giro? Fortunately, when we went, it was quite a long way east still from where we were, the, the Zonkalon. You ever done that? I was going to say, yeah. I've never done that one. If the first time I saw them go up that, I, I, I'd only just started watching bike racing. And they're going up this thing and the motorbike had uh, overheated. So the motorbike was lying on the side of the road with steam pouring out of it. And they're going up a very narrow track <laughs> on this and looking like riding almost like amateurs, some of them, because it was so steep. And I was just thinking, what the, what the hell's this bit of road? But yeah, that, I mean, that that's, what does that average? Is that over 11% average? Something ridiculous? Oh, something yeah. ridiculous. Like max, like, I don't know, 18 or something, 20 even. But it's like, there was some, I can't remember what the climb was, but we did a, a time trial, a mountain time trial in the Giro one year. And um, it was on my birthday. No, it was the day after my birthday. And I'd had a couple of beers the night before. Only two, three, maybe. But, it's towards the end of the Giro. We're staying at altitude. It properly went to my head. And the next day, oh man, I got went up this thing. Cars couldn't follow us. We had to have like special motorbikes to follow us the last couple of cakes. It was that steep and gravel and stuff. Got to the top. Oh man, I, I thought I was going to spew for like 15 minutes. I was just like, I'm never having a beer at a race again. <laughs> I was like, that is just, oh my God. Yeah. They, they but, are they are steep, aren't they, Dolom? That that Paso, yeah, the Paso Jao, is it? That's in the yeah, Maratona. Yeah. That's about nine point. It's like nine point nine k at nine point nine percent, like ten k, ten percent virtually. Mm. That just that just keeps on going up and <laughs> steep. Martin, Martin knows his stuff. I think we should uh, maybe sub you out, Tom, for a couple of these pods. Just get Martin on. That's fine. Yeah, the technical ones. Martin can come in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about the velodrome? Have you ever been on? On a velodrome? Yeah, a couple of times. I did a charity bit with uh, Jeff Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, at, uh, what were the events in Manchester called? Um, 
The Revolution? Yeah, that's it, yeah. Oh, I remember that. I think, I, yeah, I was there. He said, oh, we, we're going to... We're going to lead out a sort of, it's not a pursuit, like we sort of led out and then we dropped off and the next one came through. Like a team sprint. Yeah, we led out and then we had like a junior behind us and then there was a female rider. Victoria Pendleton was, was in, mm. I think, my team. And then at the end, he had, he had Chris Hoy rode the last bit and I had a French world champion. Can't remember his name. Arnold, Arnold Tuna. He had some, he was a proper track sprinter, proper quad, okay. quad monster. <laughs> I, I actually had Bradley Wiggins' bike. It was so long ago, it was before Bradley was anywhere near as famous. As in his actual size, Bradley Wiggins' actual Bradley Wiggins size bike. Yeah, I think, I think they said, oh, we got your bike. Bradley's, it's one of Bradley's old bikes or something. <laughs> this, this is, this would have been about, I bet it's 15 years ago. So we, I went down to Newport and they, they they just said have a practice obviously because there's 5,000 people watching or whatever and uh, <laughs> so we, we we did it so we had to we had to start off and do do one lap and then they said just go up the track and just watch it all happen underneath you and, and I said no way because if I slide down the track into Chris Hoy I think it, <laughs> it might have been Olympic year it might have been 08 you know if I slide down the track so I've only you know I've done like <laughs> 15 laps on a velodrome in my life you know, if I because you can easily do that can't you when you're going slow particularly oh yeah you know if, I, if I'm just watching it and, and lose it and slide down the track and cause this tremendous crash and take him out that's not going to be too cool is it so I did <laughs> oh, the lap and then I lifted up they <laughs> came underneath me and I I just got off <laughs> I just got off the bottom of the track got out of the way yeah so I think my final question, Martin, before we let you go, uh, would be this. Obviously, I'm sure if you could be um, a current elite road racer, you would be Geraint Thomas. Um, <laughs> but if it wasn't Geraint that you you could be, who would you choose? Oh, I, 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 at the moment, watching cycling is, is awesome, isn't it? Because the, the guys isn't that it? are about, Wout van Aert, uh, van der Poel, Julian Alaphilippe, talk to me about van der Poel, because he, he, he doesn't seem to be... He just goes for it, doesn't he? I mean, uh, he, he's he's um, he's so strong. But he's, I mean, at, at Roubaix this year, is he going to be a bit like Sagan, where everyone's just watching him all the time, so he has to do all the work, and it's going to be difficult for him to win races because he, at his best, he's he's just phenomenally yeah, he's strong. Phenomenal. He's got some explosive like power, haven't he? But yeah, he's kind of lucky that there's Van Aert and a few other good guys as well. That it's not all you know Sagan. It was all him. At least it could be more sort of like uh, Boone and Cancellara, like it used to be, you know, on those two. So, yeah, it's it's incredible, really, at, at how competitive it is at the moment, you know, from sprinters. You know, there's so many sprinters, like on their day, they can win big races. You know, there's GC guys that, you know, that's super competitive. And then obviously the one days as well. And Yeah, great time to be well involved in it as well, to be fair, but also to be watching. It's, uh, it's exciting. They're just, they're just... Oh, fantastic to watch. I went to the Worlds in Yorkshire and uh, again, we we went up there, I went up with a group of lads, group of the lads and we uh, we hired a house in Richmond and went for a, we were so lucky. It was so wet all that week and we rode on the Saturday and we had, we had beautiful weather on the Saturday, rode down Swaledale and it was great weather and uh, rode back to Richmond and the next day, obviously, they couldn't ride into Swaledale because it was all underwater. So we went down and watched them in Harrogate. It's one of the, one of the best sporting events ever seen. It was so 
brutally tough. You know, they, they, they all got into Harrogate and they started doing these laps and it's actually quite hilly and they were cold and freezing. They were wet and cold. Oh, horrible. Yeah, I remember that because I was there. Yeah, I didn't finish, unfortunately. Oh, it was just oh, a Danish guy won, didn't he? That says it all. Mats Pedersen, was it Pedersen? Mats Pedersen, yeah. They were showing guys going into the sort of team area and they were properly done. I mean, they were cold, knackered. It was so raw and brutally tough and survival of the fittest. I, I just, I was like, what an, what an event that was. Fantastic to watch. I mean, God knows what it was like riding that because you, you guys aren't carrying much body fat, are you? Oh, no. I had a bit more then, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> compared to the total, but... Yeah, it's just, poor. especially national team stuff, because a lot of the kit is, you get it a couple of days before, you know, you're so used to like your team stuff, which is made to measure and, you know, you're developing it all the time. Then you go to your national team and it doesn't go backwards as such, but you're yeah, just no, not as used to it and stuff. And it's different anyway, different makes and all this and that. And oh man, it's, yeah, but that, that day was just grim. It was like, I don't know what it was. It must've been four, five degrees. It's cold. It's like peeing down the whole day. Even out in before we did the laps, I remember we went through one part and the water was up to our hubs. Like it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were just pedaling through like yeah, meter deep water. It was just, but again, you you always remember it, and it's a story to tell now, isn't it? Because obviously, most sport I watch particularly is in, in a stadium, isn't it? It's in a stadium, so you've got that control element about it. Even if it's a bad day, you walk off and you're in the changing rooms and all the rest of it. But when you're out in the in the elements. And uh, for so long, and then, you know, because obviously the race presumably just gets quicker and quicker, and you people are start attacking up the hills and everything. It was just people were coming off the back, and obviously they were pulling them out because it's a circuit. And guys, guys were just they were just they looked broken. They looked broken as they were finishing. <laughs> there was a few broken people there. Yeah, you know, you watch rugby or whatever. It's only eighty minutes. I said the other day, oh, he's given everything. Well, they all walk off. You, everyone, you know, they all walk off the pitch, don't they? So you've still, you can still got, you know, it's an 80 minute game. Yeah, and it's tough and whatever. But when you're on that bike for five, six hours, grinding yourself into a little nub, it's proper uh, tough. Well, there you go, Tom. It's confirmed. Cycling is a tougher sport than, than rugby. So yeah, we've make heard sure it we official. definitely save that bit. Keep that bit in the pod and we'll send it to George what we always say to the lads you know, if you're with a rugby lad well if you put him in if you put him in the front row of a scrum that'd be it oh god it'd last it'd last <laughs> point naught point naught point naught two of a second and that'd be it it'd be gone it'd be, yeah it'd be, don't even would, have to it, be in the front row of the scrum second row it, anywhere he would on literally, that pitch he would literally be broken he would literally be <laughs> in half it's, yeah yeah but uh um, Martin, thanks so much for coming on the GTCC. I almost feel like I should leave you to it because I'm sure there's loads of stuff you'd actually like to ask Garrett. Now you've you've got the opportunity. I almost feel like I should let you two chat for a little you longer. Don't bore, you don't want to bore the man to death, do you? <laughs> <laughs> talking oh, well, about thanks for coming on. Really appreciate your no time. No problems, mate. You don't want to be talking about cycling all the time when you've been on your been on your bike for five hours in the day. Well, I'm sure I'll see you soon. Anyway, out on the road somewhere, or I've not I've not seen you doing the hills of Leicestershire, mate. <laughs> No, I'll have to do them one time. <laughs> now I know where it is. <laughs> right, Tom. While you and producer Lou are slaving away on your turbos, I thought we'd chat to some more GTCC members on why they use Zwift and see if they can give you some tips. Have a listen. Hi, my name's Blair and I've been using Zwift for about 18 months. 
Um, I really love the flexibility of Zwift and the ability to do just an hour or so before work without the rigmarole of getting organised and heading out on the road. Uh, the thing I most enjoy about Zwift has got to be group rides like the GTCC one. It's the closest I'm ever going to get to being part of a peloton like G and the miles fairly clock up faster when you're part of a bunch. I also find that by signing up for a ride in advance, I create just a little bit of accountability for myself to make sure that I actually get out into the garage and do it. There's a really good community on Facebook too, and it's well worth checking out. We'll all be on Zwift over the spring and summer too. Our weekly GTCC rides will continue, led by our wonderful community, with me, G, and producer Lou popping along when we can. So if you want to have a chat, have a ride, and improve your fitness, go to Zwift.com to start your free trial. We'll see you there. Hey, Mark, what is up with your bad self? Well, hey, Simon, what is up with your bad self? Well... As it turns out, lots is up. Like, actually, what? Like a whole new podcast. They thought we were going away, but we're back. Biggerer and betterer and largerer and more is morer. And it's going to have reviews of... Big films, small films, weird films, new films... And... And television. Kermit and Mayo's Take. Follow now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our regular listeners and GTCC members will know that at the end of every pod we do in any other business section. So today is no different and I'm sure there's lots of club business to catch up on, Tom. Yeah, big time. The months have been busy ones. G, let's start with a message we've had from Joe Shakespeare who says, I'm gearing up to take part in a charity bike ride from London to Paris. I'm a rugby player rather than a cyclist and therefore not the best suited build for these long distance types of events. So I was wondering if G might have any tips or tricks for both training and during the event itself to help the pain both physically and mentally not get too overwhelming. Joe also says he's purchased his PR lotion for Momentus. Nice one, Joe. He's looking forward to seeing how that helps. Uh, what else would you suggest, G? I mean, as much as you can do beforehand, really. Um, get out as much on the bike time-wise. Um, but then make sure you back off as well. And just sort of, I don't know, eat the sim- similar foods you're going to be eating on the day so nothing upsets your stomach too much and you're doing a Paula Radcliffe or whatever on the side of the road. Uh, we did a nutrition episode, actually, in season one. So go back, listen to that. So there's a good few tips in there. And, um, and our rice cake recipe... Tom, that's on Facebook, on the Facebook group, I'm sure, somewhere. Yeah, good shout, G. Um, Also, you don't have to, of course, ride from London to Paris to get your cycling kicks. We do have our regular GTCC group rides on Zwift every single Wednesday throughout the summer at 6pm. Me and G will be popping on too whenever G's not climbing some mountain somewhere, and I can do it too. Some shout-outs now to some of our amazing club members then, Tom. First up, well done to Luke Richards who got a GTCC water bottle up to the top of Mount Von 2. Also, Chris Gams for repping the GTCC in his aero socks and coming fourth in a real-life outdoor TT. Chapeau. And Paul Brock for repping the GTCC Season 2 jersey on the Cotswold Sportive at the start of May. Lovely work. A huge thanks too to our very active road captains, Paul Felton in Worcestershire, Andrew Parks in Nottinghamshire, and to the first GTCC Teesside meetup. Thanks to Helen Standen, who managed to snap G at the Flesh Wallon early this month, and to Gareth Patton, who's joined the GTCC from Turkey. Finally, G, um, 
Our member Nigel Nicholas has been pictured doing something either inspirational or disgusting. Discuss the following. He dunked a Welsh cake in an espresso. Thoughts? <laughs> um, when, you first, when you first said that, I thought, oh, no, no way. But I do. I have been known to dunk a honey on toast in my cappuccino. So in an espresso, I don't know. But the, the milky foam is nice. So maybe it was a Welsh cake on the on a cappuccino, espresso. I don't know. Maybe it's going a step too far. But don't knock it till you try it. I say maybe we should uh, have a tasting session. I think it might work. The only downside I can see is the practicalities because the, the, sort big, of the yeah. size of a Welsh cake, getting that into a small espresso cup, you're going to have to break the Welsh cake, break the Welsh cake, which is going to increase the risk of crumbs falling into your espresso. Mm, have a little nibble first, I'd say. Saying that, I was in a coffee shop in London a few weeks ago and uh, there was like a tonic espresso. So I was like, what's that? And they were like, oh, tonic water with espresso. So I was just like, oh, yeah, I'll have it. Give it a go. It was just as you thought it'd be, really. It wasn't that nice. (laughs) Was the espresso still hot and the tonic water cold? So you got a lukewarm tonic espresso? Yeah, so it was a cup with ice, pour the espresso on it and then tonic water on top. It might be nice if it's like really warm. I don't know, but yeah, I won't be ordering it again anyway, put it that way. But try everything <laughs> once, Tom. Well, yeah, almost everything. Within That's reason. a good way to go, through, to go through life, G. It's been lovely catching up, G. We will be back, I hope, with another bonus episode before the start of the tour. But until then, enjoy your training, enjoy your racing, go well. Great. Cheers, Tom. And uh, good luck with all your whatever you do these days podcasting and uh holidaying and just living the life thinking about your next book (laughs) yeah nice one that was the Geraint thomas cycling club thanks to club secretary louise gwilliam head of music emma hickman head of social fion clark and our honorary president mike carr most of all thanks to you for listening we'll see you next time Crowd Network, a place where you belong.